0: Hello and welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast with me, Jacob Granger. In light of International Podcast Day this weekend, this week's podcast is all about podcasts and the brains behind them. We take a look at a few of the best podcasters that you should be tuning into right now. Now there are many great names out there, and this is by no means an exhaustive list, but today we'll be shining a light on a few great examples of journalistic audio storytelling. But before we go any further... I'm just going to pass you over quickly to Caroline, who's going to tell you a little bit more about our upcoming News Rewired conference.
1: Hi there, Caroline here. Just a quick reminder that our News Rewired conference is right around the corner, and with many great speakers and topics confirmed, you won't want to miss out. Do you want to know how to make AI your best friend in the newsroom? What about getting the latest social media storytelling tips? Well, you'll have to come along to our panel discussions and workshops, on the 7th of November at Reuters in Canary Wharf, London. Head over to newsrewired.com where you can grab yourself a ticket or for an extra day of training the day before, you can also get the Newsrewired Plus deal. Save the day and we'll see you there.
0: So first of all, we've got three podcasts which reflect on media news and different aspects of the journalism sphere, discussing what they're about, what they like to cover and why. First up is Chris Sutcliffe from Media Voices. Armed with three presenters, Chris, Esther Kiesia-Thorpe and Peter Houston, they take a weekly dip into the latest media news and interview some of the biggest names in between chatty, witty discourse. Here's Chris to tell you more.
2: This year alone we've spoken to co-founder of The Correspondent Rob Weinberg, founder of The Pool, Sam Baker, uh, The Times and Sunday Times, Alan Hunter, and a whole raft of other sort of luminaries from the media world. And we've just hit our 76th episode, which was a live episode recorded up at MacFest in Edinburgh, which was kind of fantastic validation of the idea that we have a loyal and engaged audience who come back week after week to hear us talk about media news. For a while before we started recording. I may have written it down
3: a couple of times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, what, I mean, there are, still, there are still pressures on advertising, particularly around print. I mean, it was if you look at what happened with the Evening Standards latest results, they did blame a sort of a, a harder-than-expected a you know, fall in advertising for their, for their losses. So what is the sort of <laughs> so Should we just
3: get make a seat?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not daft. So I mean, is this something that is sustainable in the long term because even though there has been a slight uh, resurgence in print advertising if you look at latest AA walk figures that is, as Thomas Bechtel said, it's kind of related to one or two really big brands increasing their spending there. So why is advertising looking increasingly difficult for even free, free print titles? Nope. Longest question in the world.
4: Uh, uh, Let me try and um, get some light in on that. Um, The issues are not about total um, advertising revenues, because total advertising revenues for most print publishers are at worst flat. Mm -hmm. The issue is the nature of revenues. So um, what you are seeing across almost all markets is a decline, sometimes a gentle decline, sometimes a more steep decline of display advertising revenue. Um, And what that's meaning is, in order to replace that revenue, you're replacing it with lower margin revenues that come from content solutions, and you know what those things are. They are advertorials and sponsorship and uh, things which are created in partnership with brands.
2: We think that one of the biggest benefits of the podcast itself, beyond the fact that it lets the three of us talk to one another every week, is that it effectively acts as a fantastic content marketing tool for our other endeavours so as much as there's value in us talking around this kind of stuff and actually giving people our views there's also a fantastic benefit to ourselves in that we can actually promote the work we're doing elsewhere we knew there was a subset of our audience who really really wanted to keep engaged with us and up to speed with what we were doing but didn't have time in the day to reach out and actually read all our articles so we launched it as a a way to to keep in constant contact with them you know as soon as you have a connected device whether that be a smartphone a connected car anything like that you know sort of an Amazon Alexa you can actually reach out and you can get this audio and as audio becomes flattened you know with music and podcasts and radio all available on the same devices podcasts are only ever going to become more viable and they're only going to become more intelligent and smart and kind of a, a much more engaged way to reach those audiences
0: next up is Laura Byrne senior journalist of Storyful presenter and producer of the Storyful podcast Storyful are a leading voice in contextualising and verifying social media developments in a bid to understand global events and cultural phenomena better. And the podcast arm is no different. It reflects on the work done by their reporters analysing how news coverage is being shaped by social media.
1: As journalists at Storyful, we gather and verify online content for newsrooms. And on our podcast, we look at the intersection of social media with journalism, democracy and everyday life. Here's a clip from one of our recent episodes where we meet Omar Mohammed, a historian from the Iraqi city of Mosul, who documented atrocities committed by the so-called Islamic State Group while they had control of the city from 2014 to 2017. He shared what he saw on his anonymous blog, The Mosul Eye, and ultimately helped to evacuate almost 100 families from the city, including his own. He became an important source for international news organizations, including Storyful, to help cover the war, even after he'd left the city in 2015. In this clip, you'll hear me speaking with our reporter, Rona Tarrant, who interviewed Omar in April. And He continued to write about all of this on his blog, which gained prominence and a lot of media attention. Now, he continued to blog about Mosul even after he left the country in 2015. Yes, at this point, after he'd left the country and got asylum in Europe, he had a wide network of contacts who'd relate information back to him. But Omar's role in this war changed when someone got in touch with him, wondering if he could help.
5: I received a Facebook message from someone who is based in Australia telling me I was left with no options and this is the last chance. I told him, what's the matter? He said, my niece and her children are trapped in their house. Her husband was killed in airstrike. For so them, what can I do? Because, I mean, what can I do? He said, can you help? And somehow I hear that Mosul Eye is the only page that, on Facebook that deal with such things and helps the people of Mosul. Then I thought, like, let me try something. I asked him for information. I told him, can you give me the coordinates of the house? Where is she living now? He said, I can't. I don't know. I don't remember where is the house. I know in which neighborhood, but I don't know where exactly. Then I asked him to give me some signs in which area. Is there something close to them? A school, a mosque, a certain building. Then from this information, and because I've been working on the map like for a long time, I managed to... First thing, to geolocate the house, to understand where is the house located and which troops are close to the house. Second was, I asked for her phone number, to make sure that this is not
6: ISIS.
5: Now we hear from Mark
0: Egan, host of the Mobile Journalism podcast. He chats to industry experts about the latest mojo wizardry, content tricks and how mobile consumption is taking flight. He tells us how it all came about
7: came about really because I travel a lot. I do lots of training, teaching people how to shoot and edit video, create quality content using just their smartphone. And I thought it'd be nice if some of these conversations I had could be recorded and shared. So I've got two clips which um, will give you a sense of what the podcast is about. The first is an interview I did at Mojo Fest in Galway uh, with Conor McNamara, a BBC sports commentator, does loads of great stuff on social media using his phone, and I asked him, you know, what is it about his job that he thinks made him motivated to make all this extra content? Getting paid to travel around the world, to sit in the best season in a stadium, um, and you get to talk about the football, and that's your job. And it's um, it's really great. But what I've always felt from a mojo point of view is, it's it genuinely is, and this sounds corny, but it's true, it's genuinely a privilege to to get to go to these stadiums around the world to see these world-class superstars who people you know it's, it's always the highest rating thing on tvs the big football matches that's what people are into and yet i get to go there breathe the same air as these superstars i get to interview them after the game i get to meet the managers in the tunnel i mean it's it's just a it genuinely is um a privilege to be, to be in that position and what i feel is you've got to get more out of it don't waste that moment And so if you can do your main job which is commentating the football match but then before and after it Get to make little videos get to show people fly in the wall behind the scenes little touches i think that's just part of the, almost your obligation to do that because you've been given this wonderful access so that's conor mcnamara and the second interview is dan rubin a top photographer um you know very very popular on instagram and i'd asked him about the early days when he first started shooting on a smartphone you know how did people react did people take him seriously when he was shooting just on a small iphone
8: I think more of it was in my head than anything else. Um, and I think that's the case for all of this. Is, uh, 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 most people don't know. They might look at you funny, but if the output is what they want, they don't really care. And uh, most of the time, in my experience at least, clients won't question it. If they're really curious, they'll question it in a friendly way. But they're not saying, oh, don't use that. They're just saying, really? Are you So you're, you're using your phone. But there were times where I would show up to to a, you know a less... You know, something I didn't have to shoot on a bigger camera, for instance. Like, I did a a red carpet shoot uh, at the Savoy uh, one year, and it was meant to be shot on the phone. But you're standing there on the line with all of these other guys with their big cameras, and uh, you just feel a little insignificant. And, um, but again, that was in my head because what what actually happened on that shoot was that I was more nimble. I could actually reach my arm in, in the middle of all these guys who were elbowing each other and get a shot that they couldn't because I had a camera that didn't weigh anything. So I could just hold it over my head and still see because I could see the screen or interacting with the celebrities that were walking down the, the red carpet. And they actually leaned in because they weren't used to someone asking to take a picture with a phone. So they went, really? Are you taking pictures? Like they just didn't know
7: what was going on. So hopefully that gives you an idea of what the mobile journalism show is all about. I have to say, I love podcasting because unlike everything else where you'll rush for time, it has to be shorter, shorter, shorter. Podcasting gives you the chance to have a proper conversation.
0: Do be sure to head over to their podcast to listen to the full interviews after this one. But where would we be without a shameless plug? As you know, journalism.co.uk strives to provide you with a weekly podcast to pick the brains behind new mojo tech and creative projects as well as covering big talking points. So while we have covered breaking news reporters on kick scooters, postgraduate job seeking advice and Alexa flash briefings, we thought we would take this chance to recap on three of the interesting podcasters we have featured on our podcasts of late. Recently, we heard from Tom Standage, Deputy Editor and Head of Digital Strategy at The Economist, who is now collaborating with Slate and Seth Stevenson on their podcast, The Secret History of the Future. Tom tells
4: us a bit more. My entire career as a journalist and a writer involves telling the same joke over and over again. Uh, And, um, you know, I only have one joke, but I like to think I tell it quite well. And what this um, series does uh, is it brings that whole idea to life as a podcast. And each episode looks at a historical story or innovation um, that illuminates a modern technology and where that technology might go. So, Tom, where does it all begin? Okay. It's 1783, and Paris is gripped by the prospect of a chess match. And one of the contestants in this chess match is Francois André Philidor, who is considered the greatest chess player, certainly in Paris, probably in Europe, and probably in the whole world. And his party piece is playing against two opponents at the same time while blindfolded. So he has to remember where everything is on both chessboards. And there's even a chess move named after him called the Philidor Sacrifice. So essentially, he's Mr. Chess. And the reason everyone's so excited in this particular summer is that he's about to go head-to-head with the other big sensation in the chess world at the time. But his opponent isn't a man, and it's not a woman either. It's a machine. So this sounds a lot like when Garry Kasparov took on Deep Blue the IBM chess-playing supercomputer, but that was only a couple of decades ago. And this chess match in Paris is happening more than 200 years ago. It doesn't seem like that would have been possible back in the 1780s. Well, not a lot of people have heard of this strange story. It turns out to be one of those curious tales from history that can help us understand technology today and where it might go tomorrow.
0: And then there was Amber Hunt from Aftermath, a podcast which looks at gunshot survivors discussing reporting on trauma and how she sourced interviews on such a sensitive issue.
6: Aftermath is this project that I've had an idea for since I worked in Detroit um, and I left there in 2010, so it's been uh, percolating quite a while. Yeah. But I covered crime in Detroit and I would go to these scenes and if, if, you know, we'd hear, hey, there's a shooting and we'd run out and if nobody died, then you basically knew, okay, well, it's just a brief. It's not a full story Um, but after you've interviewed a couple of people who have survived you realize geez you know that that's just the beginning of their story like their entire lives changed Mm. so I was trying to figure out for a long time how to delve into that Um, and after I did the podcast accused it kind of clicked that okay podcast is the way to tell these stories Mm. what why well, because first off, there's a beginning and an end. Like when I was envisioning um, covering it at the beginning, it was more like a, an online sort of newsletter or, or, you know, a website dedicated to it. And um, that's pretty heavy, you know, to to constantly ask people to come back and read this other terrible, heartbreaking story. But with, with Aftermath, I was able to... Um, to sift through a bunch of different stories and try and tell a variety so that even it's by no means all encompassing, but it does hit a lot of different notes so that you, you're, you can feel like you can walk away from, you know, the eight episodes and have some sense of, okay, domestic violence uh, is this kind of issue and mass shooting and um, school shootings. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it allowed me to kind of pick and choose to to give a sense of the scope without it just being constant barrage of depression. Every shooting I've covered is tragic and stupid, but some can seem more so than others. Over a nine-day span in 2010... Five people were murdered and nine more injured in a series of shootings in Washington, D.C. The spate began over the supposed theft of a fake gold bracelet studded with cheap colored glass. Five deaths over a bracelet that wasn't even real gold. Of the dozens of bullets spent over the thing, two tore through Roshana Brown's leg and back in a scene she has relived countless times in her nightmares. Riding in a car, somebody pull up next to you, you get shot.
1: Walking out of your house, you get shot. Jumping off a building, walking down the street on the bus, somebody pulls up next to me and I get shot. And it was pretty much every possible way that you could think of being shot and dying. I've had
6: it.
0: And who could forget when Yazid Khan spoke about Al Jazeera's The Debrief and how each episode interviews their journalists on their experiences reporting in the field.
4: A lot of people have done this thing in the past where, you know, it will take you behind the scenes type of productions. And we weren't interested in that. We were interested in getting to know, A, what our reporter had witnessed on the ground, and B, what that did to them and, you know, how how they experienced the story. So if you, look, if you listen to the Rohingya episode, for example... You know, this was one of the first times that we'd noticed correspondents coming back in the field visibly, uh, you know, visibly shaken. Um, And these were seasoned journalists who had been out in war zones and all that sort of stuff before. And they were coming back completely shaken. And we thought, well, let's talk about that.
3: Suddenly it started raining. It started raining and that made it very worse. There was a truck at the center and there were more than 1,000 people around the truck women, men, children of every age and almost most of them, 99% of them, were without any shoes, like they were barefoot. People were like, they were fighting with the mud and they were fighting with the people, like they were, uh, they wanted to get some food. Everyone needs everything. They need food, they need water, they need, clothes, they need everything. There is no one in them who has like something, at least something. No, they need everything. Everyone in them needs everything.
2: I'm Jasmine Bayumi. Today, we want to talk about the utter mind-bender, that's the job of covering the world's fastest-growing refugee crisis, the Rohingya escaping unprecedented brutality in their homeland Myanmar and fleeing to Bangladesh.
0: The final voice we'd like to leave you with is from George Sharp, a podcaster who spent a bit of time with us not so long ago on the aforementioned Aftermath piece. Now working with Wessex FM and freelancing with BBC Solent, George outlines the types of stories he wants to cover.
3: That is exactly it. I want to be in a place where I can continually confront those kind of topics that people are thinking about but maybe not necessarily thinking about at the front of their minds and giving them new angles on it, giving them more things to consider um, to kind of help level the playing field a bit, I guess, uh, of of the debates that sometimes are so encroached by shame um, that we don't talk about them even in my interests in you know kind of uh, the news and the um media that i consume um is quite dark um i, I quite i enjoy <laughs> i'm not a, i'm not a sadist but i i do like listening to stories where where pe- people are describing how they've struggled through life um i think because it it kind of gives me a bit of encouragement in understanding that actually this person's been through this so you know if the, if they've done it then I can.
0: Following pieces on online dating in the church community and my husband's secret addiction, George says he likes taking familiar topics and putting unexpected twists on them. He's now looking into an issue close to home, ADHD. But what really is the drive behind this podcaster? And what does he hope audiences take away from his pieces?
3: It is that self-encouragement. It's that these people are going through some really difficult difficult times. All of the work that's influenced me in the past, uh, and actually all the work that, that has um, got me to where I am today. You know, this is part of the reason I started my career. Is honesty does so much for your mental well being, um, and, and certainly the guy that I interviewed initially took a lot from that. Actually, at the end of it, at the end of the interview, he said, "George, honestly, that's the best chat I've ever had," because he could be open and honest with with an anonymous journalist. Of all things, um, something that could potentially go public, uh, he could be open with me because he didn't know me. Um, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't know who's going to listen, um, as opposed to you know the people that he's confronted with in everyday life, which I think it, I think there's something so freeing about honesty, and I, th- I think that comes across in all of my work.
0: So with any luck? There are more than enough podcasts there to sink your teeth into. And hopefully this podcast introduces you to some great storytellers and audio styles. But there are plenty more out there. So let me know who I missed out at Journalism News on Twitter. Before we leave you, though, I'm going to pass over quickly to Jasmine, who's going to tell you a little bit more about our Jobs Board.
7: Hi, Jasmine from the Jobs Board here to let you know about all the amazing opportunities that we have available and how to find them. We advertise a wide range of jobs from trainee journalist to senior sub-editor at companies such as Mail Online, Sportsbeat and HuffPost. We make sure that all our job postings are clear and jargon-free and you can search them by job type, location and salary range. Go on to journalism.co.uk to find out more and follow at Journalism Jobs on Twitter.
0: So thanks for tuning in at home or on the commute. I want to thank all my guests, Chris Sutcliffe, Mark Egan... Laura Byrne and George Sharp, as well as previous guests, Thomas Standage, Yazai Khan and Amber Hunt. Do be sure to check out all of the full interviews on their respective pages. Until next time.